Welcome to Trade Finance Talks, a podcast from Trade Finance Global. During this series, we'll be hearing from global experts, as well as learning about the latest trends, technology and insights in the world of international trade and receivables finance. Episode 95. Because SMEs present less conventional security collateral, if you will, for financiers, they are always looked upon with skepticism. Those um, instruments that are benefiting from digitalization, enhanced uh, products and services like uh, peer-to-peer lending, or even services like insurance that is now developing also through the digitalization of the services. My name is Sebastian Patel, editor at Trade Finance Global. The trade finance gap has reached 1.7 trillion US dollars, with small and medium-sized enterprises, SMEs, experiencing the greatest fallout. Now, considering that 80 to 90% of global trade requires financing, of which SMEs account for around 90% of the global economy, the narrative around these businesses could not be more important right now. The aftereffects of COVID-19 compound founded by the geopolitical fallout in response to the Russia-Ukraine conflict, has significantly altered the trade terrain, affecting SMEs a disproportionate amount. Here to talk to us today about the situation are Matthew Gamza, CEO of the SME Finance Forum, and Magda Bianco, Head of Consumer Protection and the Financial Education Department, and G20 GPFI co-chair of Banca d'Italia. Welcome both to Trade Finance Talks. Great to be here. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Thank you. And also TFG are really delighted to be media partners of the SME Finance Forum's flagship conference, the Global SME Finance Forum, which will be held in Cambodia on the 19th to the 21st of September. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome you both and and ask for your elevator pitch. So in no more than 30 seconds, who are you? Where are you from? And what do you do? Matthew, over to you. Hi there. I'm Matthew Gamzer. I run the SME Finance Forum, which was created by the G20 countries as a center for knowledge exchange networking and good practice promotion for SME financing around the world. It's run by the International Finance Corporation, where I've worked for the last almost 18 years now. Thank you. And Magda, over to you. Yeah, I'm Magda Bianco from Italy, more specifically from the Italian Central Bank, where I'm responsible for financial consumer protection in various ways. We do bank supervision, we do direct consumer protection, we do financial education. For the years, 2021 to 23. I'm also co-chair of the G20 Global Partnership for Financial Inclusion. Thank you. Thank you very much. And Matt, we spoke in, in June 2020 talking about why SMEs are so disproportionately challenged from accessing finance. And I think the situation has got worse. Is, is that right? And why is that so? In crises, SMEs are always hit hard. And this crisis is no exception. Maybe the only thing exceptional about it is just how many SMEs and how many countries in the world are affected. Because SMEs present less conventional security collateral, if you will, for financiers, They are always looked upon with skepticism. The irony is for those SMEs that happen to have regular trading relationships, cross-border or even domestic, these SMEs we know from a historical analysis are actually more likely to survive and more likely to thrive and weather crises. But unfortunately, that sort of data is not traditionally what 
bankers look at. They look at conventional fixed collateral, cash on hand in the bank, uh, mortgages, other land holdings. And this is not something that characterizes many of these firms. And so they are suffering now just when they probably need the most support. Couldn't agree more. And I guess let's talk about emerging and developing economies. I think another problem when it comes to access to finance, and given that the Global SME Finance Forum, which we're proud media partners of, is taking place in, in Cambodia, would you agree that emerging and developing economies or EDs bear more of the financing gaps than OECD or developing countries, Matt? The financing gap exists everywhere. And since um, SMEs in rich countries tend to have higher turnovers, and if they do borrow, they would borrow more than an SME in a country with a much lower per capita income. I'm not sure the absolute figures are not also impressive for developed countries, but I would say that if we talk about numbers of SMEs and numbers that report that they are underserved or unserved for the financing they need, that is certainly greater in emerging economies. The good news, though, is that we probably see more innovation happening faster in SME financing in those emerging economies than in most developed economies, although developed economies are starting to get religion about this. Very interesting. And Magda, what was the purpose of the B20 and G20 GFPI and what role can this actually have on SME financial inclusion, particularly in EDs? B20 is a dialogue forum for G20 for the business community, a very important engagement group, in fact. The GPFI is a formal G20 finance drug group, which is also open to the participation of non-G20 countries. And it deals, well, basically, as the name suggests, with financial inclusion. That is the access and use at reasonable costs of quality financial products and services for all individuals and households, but also for all firms, with a focus on those who have greater difficulties, vulnerable groups, for example, micro and small enterprises or women entrepreneurs. Well, we do believe it has a very important role for MSMEs. I would say not just small and medium enterprises, but also micro enterprises for their financial inclusion, given the financing gap that you were mentioning before. Uh, specifically, we work uh, with peer learning, knowledge sharing, policy advocacy. And we do this with our implementing partners, such as SMEs Finance Forum. And um, let me say that this year, under the Indonesian presidency, we are working on two projects. We call them deliverables. The first is about sharing best practices with the creation, which is performed actually by SMEs Finance Forum, of a living database on digital financial products beyond credit for micro and small and medium enterprises. And the second project is about producing uh, policy suggestions through a digital financial services uh, regulatory toolkit, which will allow members to self-evaluate their policies to favor MSMEs financing, overcoming the constraints. They should be ready in October. Thanks, Magda. And I'm going to ask if you can go into a little bit more detail about those two pieces. What kind of digital tools do you think SMEs can benefit from to grow their businesses, to ensure they're sustainable, they grow their cross-border trade lines, etc.? And also from the other side, what are the real tangible deliveries that can come out of a regulator's toolkit to promote SME access to finance? 
the kind of financial services that we have in mind, that, well, of course, they somehow start with credit. Also, all those um, instruments that are benefiting from digitalization, enhanced uh, products and services like uh, peer-to-peer lending, or even services like insurance that is now developing also through the digitalization of the services. Concerning policies, uh, we will see actually from the report that one of our implementing partners is developing, uh, which is is uh, the Alliance for Financial Inclusion. They typically include uh, forms of support uh, directly from the governments, but also creating, inf- favoring the creation of infrastructures where they can benefit from the emergence of um, new financial intermediaries, fintech, for example, and removing barriers to the entry and access to digital financial products, sometimes bureaucratic constraints, the production of information that favors the access of MSPs to financial products. We are actually looking forward to the final report because we do expect to observe many good practices across countries. And this would be especially useful for emerging and developing countries, of course. Magda is making some very important points, Deepesh. I should also note that next year, the leadership of the G20 passes from Indonesia to India. And India is a very interesting country example from this policy point of view, because as many people know, the government has invested heavily in digital infrastructure, not just for the financial sector, but infrastructure that's incredibly relevant for the financial sector. I'm thinking of what's often called the India stack, which starts with digital ID. It moved on to a unified payments interface and a whole bunch of digital infrastructure that's built on that. And now they're putting in place the third critical component of this, which is the governance, so that there is open and competitive but consensual access to all the data that this new infrastructure is creating. India will actually give us a really great example of one way that governments can work on these things. We are certainly seeing a big acceleration of digital activity of India's SMEs as a result of this, just as we're seeing a general huge increase since COVID of SME digital activity, not just because of what governments like India have done, but because COVID made it impossible to do direct business in many cases, physical business for many firms. So they had to explore other alternatives. And this is actually opening up a lot of opportunities for making progress in SME financing. How can the SME Finance Forum help promote some of these governance structures and these rule books in India, for example, to make sure that those best practices are being shared in other markets around the world? Well, we're big believers in, as Magda was talking about, the emphasis on peer learning that the the G20's Global Partnership for Financial Inclusion is promoting. And that's very much a core part of what we believe in. If once people know what's going on in other places, we found that they make very good decisions about how to adapt those things to their own conditions, whether they're policymakers, whether they're SME financiers, whether they're SMEs. Problem is that we haven't had such great information exchange. That's why I'm very much a booster of what the G20 is doing. And and obviously, selfishly for the SME Finance Forum, you know, we exist and we've grown because of the recognition by finance sector players around the world that doing this peer learning and networking is valuable. Otherwise, why would they pay us dues each year? I imagine that peer learning and networking piece will be a core component of the Global SME Finance Forum on the 19th to 21st of September. What are some of the big themes that are being discussed at the event? What are the priorities for SMEs from a policymaker, from a government perspective? 
So very much we're focused on digitalization, and it's very consistent with what's coming out in the database that Magda talked about, where we're looking at all aspects of digitalization, not just digitalization of credit, but digitalization of all the other financial services that SMEs might need, the insurance, the payments, the uh, non-financial support services like helping SMEs manage their buyer-seller relationships better, helping manage their own internal finances better. There are a lot of remarkable developments in that area. We're in the early stages of capturing through the database, as Magda said, we're developing for the G20 and that will be open to general public view later this year. In keeping with what I'd been saying about peer learning, I've been at a number of virtual gatherings over the last few years and people have said, we read the reports, they're very useful, but what we really like to know is who's actually doing what around the world. And that's very much what we're hoping to exchange both in our global finance forum meeting, but for those that can't go to a meeting in Cambodia in September, the database will be a living, growing, permanent way of accessing really inspiring case examples from around the world. Magda, are some of these deliverables, particularly on the digitalization front, i.e. sharing best practices, sharing these databases, promoting peer learning, are they items that are reflected on the B20 agenda? And what other things can the B20 GFPI do to promote digitalization for SMEs to make those pieces easier? Well, yes, uh, of course, digitalization and uh, the use, the introduction, and the diffusion of uh, new digital products and services for all businesses is in the agenda of B20. I would say that uh, for this group as well, sharing the experiences and um, getting benefit of uh, the production of information that uh, we are doing with the GPFI and specifically this year with the SMEs Finance Forum will really benefit all businesses, but really specifically micro and smaller enterprises because for them, the issue of information sharing, of exchanging practices is uh, in a sense more difficult. And the benefits of digitalization, as uh, Matthew was mentioning, are really greater because Actually, digitalization allows to somehow address some of the major constraints in uh, financing of SMEs, basically through a huge amount of information, of data creation and management. Think of the difficult issue that, again, Matthew was mentioning, that of accessing finance due to the evaluation of credit worthiness of uh, micro and small enterprises. Well, digitalization allows to access huge amount of data that facilitates the evaluation of credit worthiness, even for those who do not have a credit history. And this is really a major issue for micro and small enterprise. These topics will feature on the agenda of B20 and uh, will allow major steps in advance. And Deepesh, if I may, with respect to your core interests in cross-border trade, I think one of the longer-term initiatives for the B20 and the G20, and I know it's on the B20's agenda this year, is about how can we work on these cross-border data developments? In addition to having struggling to get financial institutions to appreciate them in their own home markets, SMEs that go through all that struggle and start establishing cross-border relationships, when they go to another market, they start from zero with that. And that doesn't make any sense. We're in a global world now. We need ways that the data about who they are, their identity, and what their history of trading activity is should be much more easily shareable. Because that 
that would lower barriers for small firms. Big firms, there's lots of public information about them. When they deal with big firms, they have all these ways around these problems. Small firms need better infrastructure cross-border to exchange this data responsibly and to make sure that the ID that they establish in one market is able to be shared in another market and they don't have to go through a new registration, a new identification everywhere they go. That's crippling for small firms. You answered the question I was about to ask you. I guess my worry is, particularly on your India example, I worry that we create digital islands and digital silos. And actually, yeah, with my global trade slash SMEs looking to operate cross-border hat on, that's a problem, especially for SMEs when they look to trade cross-border. I guess, is the answer to that the idea of a globally recognized legal entity identifier, etc.? And perhaps we could look at the work that the Glyph Foundation are doing. And also, how do we actually promote that? How does it work in reality? I do think that there's a lot of potential for the work of the global legal entity identifier. That's a starting point, but you also need to combine that with being able to have your transactional data. We have passports and our passports may look different. We have a system in the world where I can travel from one country to another and there's a way to recognize my passport and realize that I'm legitimate and let me in. We need a passport for firms in the same way. And I think that this is going to be one of the more exciting things that I hope in the next few years can really be advanced by bodies like the G20 to really help them. Um, encourage standards to develop, help promote greater use of building blocks like the legal entity identifier, other components that have to go on top of it. And I should say, obviously, there is a theoretical worry that developments like India's could become silos. But I think the India government is very conscious of this, and they're trying to use open API structures that should enable data, especially their transactional data, to be used for Indian firms that are trading overseas. So I'm hopeful that we won't have a siloization and that people will use the ability to use open architecture, open source structures to create global standards, just like we have an internet that works everywhere because of standards like your IP address. Really is all about that ecosystem play there. Magda, would you say green finance, rather interest in, in green finance and ESG, have been heralded potentially as a way to accelerate accepting digital standards or implementing digitalization within SMEs or also within corporates and banks? Because we've definitely seen an exponential increase in, in interest for green finance. But do you think digitalization can really be a tool to help that? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. We see that actually the global warming and the need for a green transition will increasingly impose a specific attention from the financial sectors. Actually, regulators are already requiring that financial intermediaries do take into account the environmental risks, those linked to physical events, those linked to the transition costs. We do know that for MSMEs, the challenge is really huge because they will both have to manage the transition and this would probably be costly, more for some and less for others, but it would be, they will need to produce data for accessing actually finance and green finance especially. So they will need help in this uh, and uh, producing homogeneous data will become really the great challenge in the future. Hence, defining a globally shared taxonomy to classify sustainable finance, developing methodologies and producing comparable data information we are going to be a real challenge for the future. It's a long way, inevitable, and digitalization certainly will help. Actually, I think the three key themes from this podcast today are really focusing on taxonomy, standards, and peer learning. For any policymakers attending the Global SME Finance Forum, what key tips 
would you advise them to make the most out of the Global SME Finance Forum when they arrive in Cambodia on the 19th of September? I would encourage them to seize the opportunity to see what's going on at the cutting edge of the practice, because what you want to do as a policymaker is not just think about regulation and administration of what's going on now in your market. You want to think about where you want it to go and how you can design a system that's going to encourage it to get to the best practice you can and to enable an open and competitive market to innovate. That's the first thing. Then second, try to ask the uh, private sector participants in the meeting to tell you about what is it that their governments are doing that are helping them to move forward in directions that they want to move in. And also, what are the things their governments are doing that are still hindering progress. And obviously, every market is different, but learning from the direct experiences of the public-private interaction in other countries is really helpful for policymakers to figure out what to do in their environments. Thank you very much. So learn, engage, mobilize. Perhaps that's a a paraphrase of some tips we could apply there. Magda, Matt, it's been such a pleasure having you on Trade Finance Talks. We're really looking forward to the Global SME Finance Forum in Cambodia on the 19th, 21st of September, really discussing and going into a lot more detail on some of those topics. And I think some of the key pieces are around the disproportionate challenges from SMEs, the real need to support emerging and developing markets the most, where private public support can come in and especially learning from what's going on in OECD or developed countries, really sharing that peer-to-peer learning. I think they're going to be really key themes and we're really going to see those issues and themes take off over the next couple of years to really mobilize support for SMEs. Thank you very much both for joining. It's been a pleasure having you. Look forward to catching up soon. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you, Deepesh. Thanks for listening to Trade Finance Talks. Be sure to subscribe to our podcasts at tradefinanceglobal.com.